is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to speak with Harlow over Zoom video. Harlow was born and raised in Queens, New York, and she talks about how she got into music. Started playing piano at a very, very early age. Her sister was also a piano player, and while she was in middle school, she had a chance to see Alicia Keys. And from that moment on, she knew she wanted to be a songwriter. Harlow talks about attending the Clive Davis Institute in New York at NYU, moving to Los Angeles to pursue a career in songwriting. She talks about being discovered over YouTube, writing songs for Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Kelly Clarkson. She talks about putting her first record out as Harlow, collaborating with Nile Rodgers, and all about her new record, Overthinking. You can watch our interview with Harlow on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Harlow. This podcast is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about how you got to where you are now. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I did read, are you originally from New York? I am. I'm from New York, grew up in Queens, and then um, went to school there and then moved out to L.A. Uh, in 20, like 13, 14. Okay. okay. What was yeah. it like growing up in, in, you said Queens? Yeah, in Queens. Um, I'm first generation American. My mom is from Romania and my dad is from the Ukraine. Okay. And it was... It was, I mean, it was amazing growing up in Queens. It really, I think, you know, it, it shaped a lot of who I am, you know, even musically, because it was so, just such a melting pot and so many cultures in one small mm -hmm. place. Sure. Yeah. And how did you get into music? I, do you have music in your family at all? Parents, siblings? My, my mom, um, you know, they were from you know, from Romania, like immigrants here. So she didn't really pursue it, but she has, she has a really good voice actually. And my dad kind of put my sister and I in piano lessons early on sort of cause he wanted us to pick it up, but also mm -hmm. kind of just to see if we would like click with it, you know, how it is with kids and, sure. and, um, that was kind of became kind of our escape, you know, um, and my, my sister and I, and, um, yeah, so they, they were, they weren't professional musicians or didn't really write and didn't really know their talents, but I think uh -huh. that they had it somewhere in there, you know, 
Um, so did, you yeah, end up, did you end up playing piano through the, what elementary school, middle school, high school at all? Or yeah, all throughout. Like I started, my sister took piano lessons first, and she, you know, clicked with it. We didn't really want to practice at that age. You know how it of is. But <laughs> no, not at all. But um, she just had that kind of natural thing with it. And then I'm two years younger than her. And I just, you know, would go in on her lessons and bang on the piano. This is all hearsay, by the way. This is what I was told. I don't okay. remember. <laughs> but um, and kind of, you know, clunk on the keys. And then, um, yeah, about a, three years old or four years old, it started you know, Russian style classical piano it was really rigid and, you know, kind of strict, stick to the notes, stick to the whatever's in front of you. And then I remember um, just seeing Alicia Keys come out with, I keep on falling and all that. And I was like, you know, in middle school maybe or whatever. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. So that's kind of started Alicia it. Keys started it. Alicia Keys started the whole the whole thing for me okay <laughs> is when did you start writing songs is it around that same time was that seeing her was it like okay this is something i could do e, sort of yeah i kind of was always making up my own songs my the piano teacher that i had he was amazing he ended up being my mom you know my parents divorced, and he ended up being my mom's fiance basically for my whole life they never got married but they stayed together he passed away during COVID, but, um, he was like my mentor and he would always make up his own music and I loved it. And so I remember being like seven or eight and like being like, I want to do that. And so I started making up my own piano songs. Really. They were almost like classical or jazz or I, just imp improv or whatever. And then when I saw Alicia Keys saying that I kind of, was like, oh, you could put like words and you could like, you know, bring in the piano with singing because I always love singing anyway. And then that's kind of what that's when I started writing songs and just poems and just I just kind of went all in and and just that's how I escaped in my head, you know, during school or whatever. That was like my my little thing. Yeah. When did when did you start showing people your songs? Um, you know, it was when YouTube like started like happening and I remember people getting signed off of YouTube and I got like a, one of those Skype little like Logitech webcam things for, mm -hmm. I saved up and got that thing. And then I was like, I'm going to make my own like YouTube videos. And I started putting up my songs on YouTube and it was like this, you know, I think back to that time and I. There was such a like, you know, it's kind of how I view pe people on TikTok now uh -huh. where there's such a liberation in just like, like as we get older, we overthink and we like, you know, judge everything we do with such like a harsh criticism, even just to ourselves in our own head. And back then it was just like, I'm just going to do this. Whatever happens, happens. And um, that's kind of how I view, you know like TikTok now it's like uh -huh. small version like shorter versions of that but just like bits and just throw them up there and it would be cool like people would say oh can you do a song more like this and I would write that the next week and put it up and oh you know, wow 
you know, and also covers and just, it was, it was fun. It was cool. Did you start to build like a fan base on YouTube? Yeah. I started to kind of build, you know, a world for myself on YouTube. And then, um, I played shows like in the village. I don't know where you're based, but in New York, it's like, you know, the bitter end and like all these like uh-huh. clubs. And, um, yeah, yeah, I did. And was, did you, you ended up going to what Clyde Davis for college? Yeah. Yep. I went to Clive. I didn't stay long. It's so funny. You know, at the time I just wanted to just jump in uh-huh. to music. So I took a leave of absence and the Dean of my school uh, was this guy, Jeff Rabhan, who at the time, or maybe a little before or after managed Kelly Clarkson and wow. then kind of was full circle. Cause then I came out here. I, t- I remember going to his office and being like, I, I'm going to take a leave of absence and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I still think about it'd be cool to one day kind of finish that off because it was, it was really cool. It was a cool program and, um, you know, it was fun. What made you want to go? Did you have like a, an opportunity for a gig in LA or why'd you decide to take the year of absence? It happened. So, you know, like, it's so funny, like it happened, one thing kind of after the other flew into the, you know, flowed into the other thing. Like at the time it was just coming out here to meet these writers who were, you know, on everything at the time, especially on Beyonce, on Rihanna, like all this stuff. And I never knew that um, like writing was a career. Like I I was just singing like in my head. I was Mm -hmm. just and came out here and I signed kind of a deal with them. They found me on YouTube and messaged me because there was this site called Hits Daily Double, which was like a art finding new artists like blog. It mm-hmm. was like when blogs were like the thing. Okay. Perez Hilton and like all this stuff. Sure. Uh, before Instagram, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so they flew me out and... I ended up doing a deal with them and then that ended up going to, then I showcased for LA read at Epic records. And then that ended up being my label. Then I made a record out here for two years and then I got dropped. The label kind of changed and Uh this is the whole story, but basically it was like one thing kind of led into the other. And before I knew it, I was like, Whoa, I've been out here for two years and then started writing for people. And then, Oh, I've been out here for four years. And then I started writing. And now I'm going on like nine years. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like to think of how, you know, like one thing kind of always led to another out here and I still am like, Oh, maybe I'll like do this and then do like move back to New York for a little or like, do like I kind of have always sort of been, you know, in the mindset of like the universe kind of brings you to where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, so, once you, when you got that, you know, message on YouTube to come out to LA, that must've been a pretty big deal for you. Yeah. I, it's, it, it was kind of like, I, nobody I knew, um, had ever been to LA, like my family, nobody had really traveled. Like once they came from, I mean, we've been places, but never that far. Um, mm-hmm. even, you know, at the time I, it was, it was just, to me, it was more just like, I, I've always been very one track minded 
And, um, it was just like, yeah, that's where I'm going. Like I'm, I'm doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it, you know, when you, when you have that kind of passion and you have something that you really want to do, sometimes you just jump in, you just go feet first. You don't really know. I never really knew what my next move would be, but I always was like, well, I have this, I have my skills. I'm going to be down for whatever comes my way. Like I taught music in the beginning. I like, you kind of do it, you know? And I think that's the, that, that was to me, the beauty of LA too, is that any, anything you wanted to do, you could find a way to do it. If you just kind of, kind of dig in, you know, mm -hmm. for sure. Did you sign uh, with Epic records before you started writing for other people or so like, yeah. how did your career go? Okay. So you, cause you put out a record under your, under Jessica Ashley, right? Yeah, I put <laughs> I put a record under Jessica Ashley like during that era in college. And okay. then um, and then yeah, I didn't even know that writing for other people. I mean, I always would read like the notes on CDs as a kid and be like, "Oh, produced by Max Martin or produced by like, you know, and be like, "Oh, that's cool. Like I wonder who that is." And I would watch endless YouTube videos of artists in the studio. So mm -hmm. I kind of knew the idea of a producer, but I didn't I just didn't know. Yeah. My first cut was during my time at Epic through someone who knew another artist at Epic. So it, it was kind of, that kind of started everything. What was yeah. your first cut? It's funny. It was her name and that she's like a, an amazing artist singer that you may know she's a nineties, like diva. She's like sung with Whitney Houston. Her name is Deborah Cox. She sings this song called nobody's supposed to be here. It was like a huge, 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 huge record. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny cause I'm writing with her again cause I love her so much. Um, and it was a song called kind of miss you produced by the rascals at the time. And they were, it was like, I was working with everybody who, was in sort of like, I was working with Neo. I was working with, um, just like a bunch of R and B pop writer. Mm -hmm. Um, and like really picking up on what they were doing and how they were doing it. And, um, yeah. So that was my first cut. So once, uh, you said that, did you say that you kind of parted ways with the label at one point? With so Epic? Jay yeah, like it was kind of, it was weird. It was like, we were, you know, and at the time it was like gut wrenching to me. I was like, it's over for me. I was like 20 years old or something. I was like, oh, it's over. Like, I'm just gonna, whatever, like move back to New York. And I did for three months and then, um, came back out here again, like something pulled me out here. I was like, okay, come back out here. And then I kind of never left. Like then I was writing left and right and meeting people and, um, just kind of finding my way again. Cause you moved back to LA to really just pursue songwriting, right? You weren't putting a project out as an artist. No, I was just going to pursue songwriting. I didn't really know where my artistry was going to go. And, you know, it was like when you're in that transition time and you're just sort of seeing where you're at. And it, it was almost like a recharge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it was really, I kind of needed that soul cleansing. That's why it kind of, it brought me back out here. And through writing, I found my own identity again, and then was able to kind of continue.
know. Mm-hmm. So between the Jessica Ashley project and then now Harlow, you it was just what is that when you wrote cuts for like Britney Spears and Celine Dion and all those artists and Kelly Clarkson? I know you've written songs yeah, for. I, I um, that's kind of when I did it. Is mm-hmm. I I came back out here. I parted ways with Epic. Um, I hadn't really found my identity as Harlow yet, and I was like. I did a writing camp in Sweden for this artist there. And I saw the name Harlow on a storefront too. And I had been talking about the name Harlow for a while and I just wanted an identity change. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's funny. I just needed, I'm very emotional and, 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 and empathetic. And so I take on people's energies and, and I like, you know, it was just kind of weighing me down that old vibe and, having you know had done that been there done that and I was like what's next and um and then it kind of came to me and ever since then I sort of felt stronger it's like the name gave me like a you know a confidence Mm -hmm. and um yeah that ever since then that's kind of the time when I was writing and uh decided to do that and start releasing songs again was there like a particular moment that you're like, you know what? I really want to start my own project again and get away from just yeah. writing for other people. Yeah. I think it was a lot of, there were many things, but I felt like I had so much to say and I got to a place of like self-acceptance where I was like, no matter what happens, um, I'm going to be okay. And I want to, share my story in my own words too, alongside parallel to this. And there were some songs that no artists cut and they were just, and all writers will say this, like you, they just sit on your laptop and there's like, and there, some of them will be your favorite songs. And you think, Oh my God, like they want that song. Like, cool. Great. But Oh my God, this one is like the one, like, this mm-hmm. is like, this is that special sauce. And you're like, Oh my God, like, well, you can't, you can't like every artist is different and every human connects to a different song. And I thought to myself, well, I guess I need to, someone's got to sing it. So maybe it's, this is, maybe it's telling me that I got to sing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it started with like one song like that. And then another and another, and then, yeah. Was there a particular song that took off and kind of brought you to the, the next level yeah. and kind of validated you as a, an artist? Yeah, I think I, you know, I did um, this song. I wrote the song, just piano vocal called All This Love. Mm-hmm. And I did it. Actually, I was just writing with him the other day with one of my close friends and he's like an amazing producer and writer named Stuart Crichton and he's Scottish uh but like lived in Australia he's like the coolest heaviest accent you've ever heard in your life and um and we wrote this song also with Tommy Lee James another writer from Nashville I think Mm -hmm. he's from and um and it was just so simple and I had gone through a breakup and uh of like a long time. And I was just like finding myself again out here writing for others and came into the studio that day 
And I was like, Stuart, like, I understand that me and this, you know, this guy, like we're done, but what do I do with all this love? Like, do you just save it for your next person? Do you like box it away? Do you like literally save it for when it rains in LA? It's funny because it's raining here now. And, (laughs) and we wrote this song in like, 30 minutes, just sat at the piano and wrote to him in the sheep hotel, like just started. And then he was like, I'm going to like, we're getting this to like, like, we got to get this out there. And we did. And then they were like, we want to keep your vocal. I had, I had the name already, but I just didn't, I hadn't released something in a long time. Mm-hmm. And like, we're keeping your vocal. His manager, Robin Schultz was like, we're, we're doing this, da, da, da. And we did. And the record kind of took off, especially in Europe. And like, it went gold. And that's, that's, yeah, it was really, you know, for me, it was very monumental because it was an example of me writing about my true feelings that nobody else exactly would take on exactly that way because it was so personal. And Mm -hmm. then you know, it, it sort of showed me that if you follow your gut, you know, you, you, you follow the moment. Yeah. I love that. And you put a record out what this year, 2021, is that your EP? Yeah. I just put a record another, I've been just kind of putting out singles and my last one is featuring Niall Rogers. Wow. Which is really, really cool. We became friends like rent. That's like another random we became friends. I like ran into him at Abbey road. It was like, again, that's crazy in itself, right? Writing for others. Yeah. And, um, friend of mine was like, I've got off the plane, this collaborator. I wrote, I worked on my last project with Fred ball. Mm -hmm. And he's like, um, come to the studio now. It was like, you know, I just landed and I was like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted like long flight LA to Europe, not Mm -hmm. sure, you know? Sure. And then he's like, just come now. I was like, what if we start tomorrow morning? He's like, right now, Jessica come right now. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Got there. See Niall like across like the control room. And I'm like, oh my God, like I gotta find a way to talk to him. (laughs) Sure. And so anyway, and the whole story of how we met is funny. But I don't want to ramble on, but go ahead. I don't know if you have time. Okay. I'd love to hear it. So, so he, I saw him across the control room. Me and Fred were like, and also we were, I think Naughty Boy was already there. He's like another amazing writer and um, producer. Uh-huh. And we we're just like all like starstruck a little bit. And like, how do we like he was just jamming. His guitar was out. Like it was just so freaking cool. And mm-hmm. then how do we get him in here? Me and Fred had this like plan to like blast the song that we were working on, which was overthinking. The song is called overthinking. I was overthinking, which was funny. Mm -hmm. And then how do we get him in? Like, how do we, Oh, let's blast it so that he either has to like drop what he's doing and come in and tell us to like, shut the hell up. (laughs) Yeah. Or or, like interfere with his session or it's so we have to make it so good that he's like, what are they working on? I I want to get involved. Get involved. Right. So we blasted it. I don't know which of the two it was. Like either he wants to get involved or either he like was just disturbed. But he <laughs> did come in. He came in without his guitar though. So I was like, oh. And then um 
we just started jamming and like talking and whatever. And he's like, what are you guys working on with? I was like, can we play it for you? Like, do you have an opinion on it? He goes, I always have an opinion. And I was like, <laughs> dope. Awesome. <laughs> cool. So he sits down and he like tells us basically that what we were working on on the song overthinking our chorus ended up being the bridge that people hear on it, which is not a chorus. And he was right. He sat down. He's like, you don't have a chorus. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he's like, what are you trying to say? And I was like, you know, I'm overthinking and da, da, da. And I started going on this whole like tangent. And he's like, what if it's so simple? What if it's I'm overthinking over you? And I was like, that's amazing. And so when saying it it really like clicked in and we just wrote this whole chorus in like 15 minutes and he started telling me all these stories of I mean I have endless stories from him about him playing for Nelson Mandela at like the big like festival and Nelson saying at backstage like thank you Nile for writing our theme song for Africa and he's like wow. what and he's like what I did I, I wrote your theme song he's like yeah Africa and Nel <laughs> and Niall was like couldn't tell him that it's not uh africa it's africa <laughs> freak, freak out right so to this day he's like he goes there and he plays africa like he plays, <laughs> goes crazy everyone goes africa and like all this stuff like his stories and his energy and like you know anyway it was so cool um yeah, I have a show tonight actually here in LA and like, I'm just so excited to play that song. Like that's always my favorite one to play. So, where, are you, where are you playing tonight? It's called, it's for this showcase called Breaking Sound. Um, oh, I think I saw something on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, they do a lot of shows. I'm really excited. I've been, you know, performing a lot again, especially after all the, you know, what we've all endured uh -huh. last year. Sure. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And you're also playing with, um, is it Chapel Roan on the show too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've interviewed her. She's a great, she's a great awesome. singer. I've never met her, but I'm, I'm just like excited to, you know, be around like talented artists, you know, it's great. That's it's amazing. Really cool. I did see on your Instagram too, uh, you playing the guitar. Is that something you break out? quite often or no i i'm i play it i play it uh every show i bring it I out i love it i you know the last show i did a few weeks ago we like did this like cover of lionel richie all night long and i brought out the guitar and then i always throw it at the end i do a little a little shred on um my song rivers run dry i'll like just bring it out and do a little solo <laughs> i love it <laughs> thanks yeah. So is overthinking going to be a part of a, a full project? Yeah. So we're, I'm kind of working on it now. I don't have the exact, you know, I'm, I'm sussing out what I want it to feel like in terms of if it's like a, a, a side and a B side, or I'll mm -hmm. have more updates soon. <laughs> I'm like in the, working on it now, but it's always going to be more music and, you know, more collaborations. Like I, I really enjoy that aspect of making music um so yeah very very cool well, i appreciate your time today and good luck at yeah. your show tonight 
Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. I do have one more quick question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yes, I do. I mean, I think you just, for, and, and I'm, I follow it. I try to follow it every day. It's just put your heart out there. And like, if I've learned anything and I'm still always trying to learn everything, it's like, don't, um, if there's, if one, if you're, if you're kicking down the door one way and it's not budging, take a break from that way and just kind of go a different way because I think the universe and I sound hippy dippy, but the universe responds to just momentum. So I really believe that like, if you just kind of put in that effort and you keep going, if one way is not working, like just kind of find a different angle, maybe reach out to a different collaborator, maybe take a break from that and just book a live show or maybe like there's, cause that will keep you inspired. And once you stay inspired, you stay in that energy of like being on a, on a high place, you know, just in feeling good about yourself and then you open up other opportunities. So um, keep, keep trying to find your bits of inspiration and and dig other and and budge other doors. If, if one is not, if one's not breaking down, does that mean it might not be the right time for that one? Yeah.